If you ask me for advice to recommend to you three books which could change your life in ways you couldn't imagine for 2023, I would say The Gap in the Game, a book called Who Not How, and Be Your Future Self Now. Coincidentally, they are all written by the same person, best-selling author and psychologist, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who I have here with me today. We are going to be discussing, we are going to have a deep dive on why being your future self now is so important. Oh, just to point out, yes, my voice does sound a bit hoarse. I'm just recovering from a head cold. Uh, So please excuse how I sound, but I hope you enjoy this interview. And welcome, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Happy to be with you, Paul. I wanted to do a little dive with you on your latest book, because uh, it's Be Your Future Self Now. And for me, this was a huge game changer. But for anyone listening, what does Be Your Future Self Now actually mean? And what are the main advantages? I think that what it mostly means is that we're all going to eventually become our future self that there's no denying that fact. What that actually looks like is an invitation of the book. You know, there's already plenty of literature written about, you know, thinking about your thoughts and and mapping things forward with intention. This book dives into, I guess, more of the concreteness of viewing your future self as a person, the relationship you have with that person. And then ultimately, it's an invitation to start being that person now to think about the, well, and honestly, you can consult with your future self. It's Victor Frankl even talks about this in Man's Search for Meaning about thinking about your life right now as if it had already passed and you're dealing with the consequences of your actions and then to, you know, maybe think a little bit wiser from your future self's perspective. And and so it's it's a book about clarifying who you want to be, but then ultimately taking the next bold step and start being that person now. And so that's really the invitation of the book. And what, so if anyone was still was listening to this and thinking, well, I'm struggling to deal with my day-to-day life, why would I spend time thinking about my future? What would, what would they get from that if they're, if they're struggling? Well, I would say that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, if they were struggling with day-to-day life and it's, uh, well, the future seems very far away. I've got today to deal with. Um, especially if they're involved in what's going on with the economy and everything that you know, that anything that can terrorize a person mentally and emotionally lately, um, if you get wrapped up in the world events, they may find focusing on the future self a bit like a luxury. But what would you say? I would say the sooner you can begin developing a relationship with your future self, begin in the psychology world, we would call that connecting with your future self, becoming emotionally connected, uh, having empathy towards your future self. The higher up you can think in terms of who you want to be and what you want to be doing, it actually pulls you out of these urgent battles. It pulls you out of the day-to-day living. And that may sound hard, especially when you're trying to pay the bills and you've got so many things coming at you. But the goal of connecting with your future self is is that you actually slow time down. It, it pulls you out of the urgent living because that way of living is kind of a, a putting out fires, day-to-day treadmill style living that is hard to get out of, honestly. We can, we can all get caught in that way of living. Mm-hmm. And 
one of my favorite quotes from Robert Greene is he says basically that most people are so caught up with urgent battles that they're never really making it anywhere. But the fur, you know, the the further and deeper we can contemplate the future, the greater we can shape it to our desires. And so, um, one one important acknowledgement is is that if you're if you're so caught up in the busyness and the urgencies of the day, then what that means is is that you're actually not very connected to a longer term future self. Instead, your future self is just you know, a day or a week ahead of you. Uh, you know, you're just trying to pay the bills or you're trying to get to the weekend to watch the football game or the soccer game or whatever it is. Like, you know, that kind of living is is a very short-term, very, pr- I would call that a very present self-orientation with little recognition of the future self. So the future self, having a much bigger future self helps you to kind of weed a lot of that out, slow it down, and then really think forward to a much, a much longer-term strategy, which mm. actually ends up clearing away a lot of this clutter. No, I totally agree. I think it's, I think what your book does, I think it really highlights the importance, if anyone was to read it, of how much your future self drives you in the present moment, your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. But what do you, th- what do you think makes a person struggle to bring their future self to the present? I, you know, and with every one of these questions, Paul, seriously, just because I know you well enough, I am open and all game on your perspective as well. Seriously, because you have, you know, I know you've deeply thought these things through. Mm. Um, I mean, do you want to, I'd be interested in your initial, you know, answer to that question, if you'd be up for it. And I'm happy to share my thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of obstacles. Yeah, sure. I think there's like a couple of things, well, a few things spring to mind. I think one is our environment has a huge impact on where our attention is. So we develop a level of presentism where we're we're engaging in short-term rewards. So I think dopamine has as another factor that has a huge impact on trying to get short-term hits, and that will come from our behaviours in the here and now. Whereas focusing on the future doesn't provide us necessarily with that reward. So people are often drawn to what will feel good now, not what will, what will feel good later. So that's one thing that comes to mind. What about you? So that is honestly, I think a huge one. That is actually, if if anyone wants further literature on this, there, there's a, there's a lot of research on what you just described. There is even a one of the classic TED talks by I think his name is Daniel Gold. Steen. He's a psychologist and, and the TED talk is literally called the battle between your present and your future self. And it's fundamentally about dopamine, that the present self wants short-term dopamine now at the expense of, of the future self. And a lot of that is riddled in the environments that we're in. Um, I think that for me, and that's a big one, huge one that you just described. And I think that's one of the fundamentals of present self versus future self is learning to reorient yourself to future-based dopamine dopamine toward achievement versus dopamine layered towards reward you know immediate gratification um i think there's a few huge obstacles to getting connected to the future self i actually laid out the main ones i think of um as the seven threats to your future self in the book i think that those are kind of the primary obstacles that i see to getting connected to your future self um one one way of thinking about it though is as an example so one big obstacle that i that is just big in the research is not being flexible with your future self and what i mean by that is is a lot of people 
believe that their future self will be pretty similar to who they are today. Um, and this is a big, a big mental bias. The truth is, is your future self, even a week from now, may want things quite different than what you want right now. Um, your future self in a year or two years or five or 10 years is not going to be anywhere near the same person you are in terms of their mental models, in terms of their priority, in terms of their context, their situation. Your future self may be mentally incapacitated. Who knows? You know, um, there's so many factors. Um, and so one struggle that people have is, is that they're not imaginative or thoughtful about the changes that are going to occur between now and some form of their future self. That, that stops them. Um, I think one other big obstacle um, is that they're not reflective enough about where they're at now and where they were before, uh, essentially getting more acquainted with their former self, even recent former self, to aggressively learn from their experiences. I think when you're regularly reconnecting with your past self and thinking about your past self in different ways that you can actually learn more lessons than maybe were available to you before. Uh, let me give us just a brief example. Um, I would say that in the last two weeks, a lot has changed for me in terms of call it my future self. I'm talking about the specifics of my future self, not broadness. Um, for me, for example, I plan to continue writing books, continue learning about psychology, business and something. But in terms of specific strategic pathways forward for call it the next two to five years, a lot has changed that I would not have been an aware of two to three weeks ago. Um, but because I, I'm, I'm one of those people who's pushing forward towards learning towards growth and I'm willing to pay the bills. What I mean by that is pay the consequences, um, of, of my actions. I, I, I'm, I get to clarity pretty quick, even if it means I have to really readjust my path. And I think that's kind of a huge aspect of what psychologists would call high hope, where you're really committed and you're willing to figure out if this path forward, it makes any sense, or if you really need to go a really different way. And I think a lot of times people are unwilling to go a really different way if their current path is not necessarily one that is going to work. I love that answer. Just something else that popped up to mind, popped to mind when you were talking just then is do you feel that for you personally you had guidance to be able to think more about your future self I look at I was thinking of you today and thinking about this interview and one of the things that came to mind was no one really guided me to think into my future there was no career guidance there was no think about your pension there was no think about anything important in your future did you have that level of influence to get you to where you are now what enabled you to have this sort of foresight that has jumped ahead and, and well, turn your life around to this degree? Um, there were a few pivotal moments. Um, I grew up in a more chaotic environment. My father was a drug addict. I was living with my mom who was moving from apartment to apartment. And somehow me and my younger brothers, especially me as the oldest, I still went to high school um, and actually was able to graduate high school, which was a miracle given the conditions. There were a few, a few things though, like one as, as an example, um, my mom actually even, so I think I was like 15 years old. She actually had me watch the movie, the secret. I don't necessarily fully prescribe to the ideas in that movie, but what it did was, is it enabled me to think about my thoughts and about the future and what my thoughts could do for my future. I would say that that didn't have a huge impact on me 
realistically, but it, it's a memory that comes to my mind. I, when I was serving um, a church mission, I did a, an enormous amount of community service for people, but I also read volumes of books. I had a lot of space and I wasn't as plugged into like the news cycles and things like that. I was pretty much just doing service. I was journaling. I was learning. Um, it was a really unique period of time, but I had a leader um, in that environment that would, you know, would essentially mentor. He mentored all the missionaries. And I remember at the very end of my mission, and I, at that point, I'd already had lots of really deep experiences and I'd already read lots of books and I'd already journaled volumes, which helped me clear a lot of my former traumas. And it also helped me to, uh, build skills. So I had already had lots of experiences first off healing my own view of my own past, but also developing skills. And I did have great mentors and this, this leader in my last interview with him, he was, you know, he was very encouraging that I, and this was just between him and me. He was very encouraging for me to get as much education as I could, not necessarily formal, although I did end up going to get a PhD, but he was just like, you know, you're only, tw- I, at the time I was only 21 or 22 years old. And so he's just like, you know, if you're still getting education by the time you're 30, you know, and like really building towards your future, he's like, you're going to be 30, whether you're, whether you just waste that time away or whether you really invest and build towards something meaningful that then can pay dividends for the rest of your life. And so he really pushed me to think not only bigger towards my future, but to think more in what I would call an investment mindset where like, if I spend my time well today, I'll be paid for that for the rest of my life. Even if it was just reading a good book, you know, I can waste that time and ultimately that time is gone, or I can invest in that time in terms of relationships, knowledge, or even just skills or situations or relationships. And so I I kind of learned uh, an investment model of time, which is if I use this time well, I'm going to receive dividends of some form for the rest of my life. And so I I did learn that. And then it's just continuous self-education, reading good books, humbled by my own terrible choices, which even this year, I would say this year I've had my biggest wins and my biggest losses in terms of my own personal mistakes. Uh, And it's just learning from them and continuously educating myself. You know, it's um, thank you for for being so open with me. Um, I really like the fact that you had a mentor by the signs of things that was in uh, the missionary. And I, I think a lot, do you think a lot more Huge. could be done? To, yeah, to be, I, I really didn't have that imagination or a mentor to be able to, to develop that foresight. Something drove me along the line somewhere. And I wonder if so much more could be done to help people develop the skills to have more of a, to invest in their, to, you know, to invest in their future self, to be able to connect with their future self. And I think your book does that. I think your book is a great way for people to begin to tap into the idea that um, I think you did a beautiful analogy in one of your videos of Homer Simpson. I don't know if you remember that. And um, uh, how, uh, how he wants to, he doesn't want to leave, the, he doesn't mind leaving things to uh, another version of Homer in the future. And he doesn't feel sorry for that guy. Um, but it's that connection with our future self that a lot of people struggle with. And almost like it's disconnected, almost like it is another person. And I think learning those skills is absolutely invaluable. Um, and, and I know that your book does that. Um, what would you advise to anyone, besides obviously reading your book, who struggles to connect with their future self? Because it comes up time and time again when I do sessions with clients. They can't think of it or they can't even imagine it. 
I think it's helpful to realize they actually are a, a different person, yet they're still within you. Like, uh, it's kind of like it, the, the seed is there, but truth mm. be told, your future self is a different person. Um, and that's actually a good thing because that creates what we would call psychological flexibility or a growth mindset. You, you're not fixed who you are. You will change and you can change and you can start to be creative about who that person is. Um, let me give a, a, a personal and current example. So my wife and I have been married for 10 years. And I would say that up to this point, we've been a pretty good team, but we haven't like we haven't sat down and like really said, we are a team, we're going to collaborate, we're going to be best friends, and we're going to create the world we want to live in. We've kind of done that. But it's only recently where it's like, look, we've kind of been together, but in our own lanes. Um, but we, we did create vision together. You know, I've even written about it in the book that we did, for example, a 10 year time capsule, reflecting on where we want to go. And it's not that we got here by accident. Like, we imagined our future selves. We married each other in a large, in large part because we resonated with each other's values and even our sense of purpose and our goals. Right? Like our, it's not like we just got. We were we were thoughtful about our future selves when we got married, and when we did get married, we did we did create vision. You know, we we thought about what we want our lives to be, where we want to live. Like I knew she wanted to live here in Orlando, Florida, as an example. She knew I wanted to get a PhD. Um, I, you know, she had mentioned she wanted to do foster care and that she wanted a lot of kids more than I honestly initially thought I wanted. But, you know, there, there was a lot of collaboration there, but just bluntly and honestly, at the same time, we haven't been as effective at just sitting down and truly, I mean, truly being a pure team that's accountable and that is working effectively towards um, something highly specific and having the right systems and people in place that support that along the way. And, and that's something that we're now getting really serious about. And one, and so one, I guess one simple, just honest truth in listening to this is number one, um, you have to ask yourself, do you really want the responsibility of working on your future self? Or do you want to continuously leave it up to chance? Um, you I think the first step is actually owning that you want to start to work on your future and not continuously be distracted in the present. Um, in, in other words, not become the reactive product byproduct of just those around you. Like There is a point when you do say, I actually am ready to become more mature and start committing and taking more responsibility for my future and starting to take more ownership of my future, which does mean I'm going to have to cut off a lot of the distractions and even probably a lot of the people in my life that are trending me down a certain pathway, which, you know, is the pathway, the river mm -hmm. of your current life. You're, and there, there is a time when you have to say, I'm going to start to choose my life, choose my future and start to really own that path. Um, that's something that it's it's not a one-time thing, as I'm describing now. My wife and I are working on re-establishing that and recommitting to that and re-owning that at a higher level. And we've done a pretty dang good job creating the life we want. But admittedly, we could do enormously better. And we're committing to that. And so I think that that's the first step. And, and you know, Paul, we can go whatever direction you want from there. But mm -hmm. there's obviously specifics you can you can do in terms of 
clarifying the vision, finding pathway. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there that we can go into, but I think the first step is actually deciding that you are going to connect with your future self, own your future self and start to actually determine who your future self will be. And then committing to that and being really honest. All progress starts by telling the truth. I have to be really honest right now about a lot of the things in my life that have contradicted the future self that I say I wanted. And so there's huge steps. Yeah, I think just just on that last sentence you just said, that's the importance of psychological flexibility, isn't it? You know, it's when I first started connecting with my future self, I had this vision and I could not have imagined where it would have ended up as you begin to move down that path. I think as you become a different person, new options, new ways of thinking, new, uh, a new sense of awareness begins to open up to you. And then before you know it, you and a future that didn't exist before begins to materialize. So is that what you're describing in regards to you now forming a team with your wife? And that you now have a new future beginning to open up with new possibilities, a new vision? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I think that one exciting part about all of this is that your present self, no matter where you are, is never the be-all, end-all. And that there's always a new time for you to... Because right now, I'm, I'm different than I was even a week ago. Seriously. And I have hopefully wisdom that I didn't have a week ago. I can reset, reestablish, reclarify, and move forward. And I think that one aspect of psychological flexibility is that it's the knowledge that my future self is going to care about things that I don't currently care enough about. Could be my relationships, it could be my health, it could be etc. They're going to care about things that I don't I'm not even thinking about right now. They're also not going to care about a lot of the things that I do. And so a, a, a great a great thing to do when you're obviously progressing, evolving as a person is to not get so caught up in the identity of your former self. In a lot of ways, future self really is focused primarily all on your identity. Um, and, and psychological flexibility is also about having a flexible identity, not a fixed or a rigid identity, meaning your identity doesn't get so stuck, held on to things of the past, uh, attached to things of the past. And so, you know, for me, as an example, there are things I'm committed to now that I know my future self will uncommit to. And I've got to and, and I've got to continuously be in process of being open to that so I don't get so stuck and clinged to what I currently think is either important or even just to addictions and habits that I may have that at some point clearly are no longer serving me and I'd be best to let them go. So I think that that's wow. a big aspect of psychological flexibility. Yeah. You know, the knowingness of when to stay committed to something and when to let it go. And the f hardest thing to let it go is your identity, the thing that you've attached so much meaning to as a part of yourself, that this is who I am, et cetera. Yeah, that's the, I can't remember who said it, but if you're not aware of your ego, then you are your ego. And that's not a great place to be. And just getting that space, that, that space between you and your ego so you can become aware of it makes a huge difference. I think that's a huge game changer, being aware of that identity. Um, I wanted to ask you something. Absolutely. Um, about your faith, because um, in please the, do please in the book, yeah, it's something that, and it came with a nice bit of synchronicity today. Um, 
you mentioned in your book that your view of God impacts your future self. And then when I was just about to, when I was about to come online, I had a a message through Instagram. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but on my podcast, I did a future self, be a future self now meditation series with help, you know, uh, a meditation series for people to, to connect with the future self using visualization. And they, the message was the future self series helped them gain a moment of spiritual clarity that they hadn't had before. So I was, I was very curious. So I said, what happened? I'm talking to Ben Hardy today. Um, and they just said that when they, when they saw their future self, they felt such peace and knowledge and understanding. That connection created something. They felt a click, something changed within them. And you inspired that series. So um, they said, thank you very much, because they knew that I was speaking to you. But how's connecting with your future self changed your spirituality, your faith, or and deepened it to some degree? Just like to open it up to what your experiences I, I are. Say, and that side well, I'd say it's vice for it, it, it's cyclical. So connecting with my yeah. future self influences my faith, but deepening my faith radically changes my view of my future self. Um, and so one of the things that I guess one of my core points in that section, and then I'll answer your question was just Mm. whether someone claims to believe in God or not, isn't necessarily my, my, my territory. It's more just the idea that whatever faith you have, whether that's faith in God, faith in science, faith in yourself, um, whatever view you have of, of the eternal or of the universe, whatever it is that is going to shape your view of how you view your own personal reality or trajectory, you know? And so your view of God or lack of God is going to impact how you see kind of your own self, uh, your own nature, uh, and also your trajectory, your future, whether it ends when you die or whether it exists beyond that in different forms. And I felt like I would be a dishonest person if I didn't respect the fact that billions of people believe in an afterlife and that that afterlife view impacts their actions and behaviors now, you know? And so there's True. different, obviously thousands of different forms that you can believe in a deity or a God or a creator, but whatever form you believe in, that's going to shape your view of yourself and of your own trajectory. And so that was just kind of the main one. But for me, I will say that whenever I deepen my own faith, whenever I deepen my own relationship with God for myself, it expands my view of my future self. It expands my view of who I am and what I can be and do. And it also invites me to have far more intentionality about who I'm being right now and what I can do. Um, For me, faith is very much not just what I believe in, but it's how I operate. Like It's semi-described in in Think and Grow Rich, but I don't Mm. like I don't like how it's purely described in that book, but in that book, he describes faith as a principle of creating things that don't currently exist, right? Um, That's sort of how I see it, but not. But I certainly use faith as a power to achieve things that would seem impossible without it. And so certainly my faith in God, it's kind of like the scripture, like all things are possible with God. My, My view of God, my relationship with God expands my views way beyond just Benjamin Hardy that like there's there are bigger and more you know there are huge things that I can do or that I can be a vessel for 
that are just not solely me by myself. Like I can, I can work with, collaborate with, connect with mm-hmm. God. And ultimately it opens up huge, huge potentials for what's available. And it's not just on me. Um, that helps me a lot in terms of how I think of my future self. And then just the more I, I learn about faith or, and it doesn't have to be just one angle. I can learn about a lot of things. It also alters how I see my own future self, whether in this life or a beyond. And so I, I then kind of see enormously different possibilities and potential for myself, which then reshapes how I see my current self. Um, so I don't know, whatever, whatever way you wanted to go about this, but um, it's a huge topic. Oh, you know, I think it's yeah. a, a, a huge I aspect think, of my faith and I think it's, I love it personally. Yeah, I think it's, it's a big one and it, I, I, it sometimes doesn't get talked about enough. I think when I was listening to past interviews, it was something that I... I, oh, I think I, most I, people I, shy away from talking about yeah. this section of the book. Well, yeah, and I think it's a really important part because the way that you're describing it is that it opens up your possibilities and it seems to be a big driver for you. I mean, is this, do you think this is, is this your why? As in to why you do this? Because you're, you're making quite a, a big impact on, on so many people's lives through your, your blogs have been read by millions of people, your books, millions of people, your videos, uh, everything, you know, your mastermind group, so much that you're doing. Is this because of your faith? Is that, is that what drives you or is there something else? I would th- I would say that the primary driver is my faith. Yeah. I would say that um I would say that my faith shapes what what I value, right? And as I develop my faith in certain things, it it clarifies what I believe is meaningful and worthwhile and what is not. What is wasteful, what is distractive. And so my faith has educated me to believe that that there's more to this life than just whatever I can achieve in this life or whatever I can experience in this life, that there's, there's a deeper, higher purpose and meaning and that people really matter. Uh, I, I do have this, ed- I've been educated as my, in, in my belief system and in my faith. And I just believe it spiritually, fundamentally. Like I, I feel like it's a spiritual thing too. It's not something you just have to get educated on. It is something that you can feel spiritually that, human beings are are the most important part and that every person, you know, irrespective of culture, background matters and that they're worth investing in and worth loving and worth, you know, um, and also that the current self is not the whole picture uh, and that, that people can and do change. And, and, and so because of those things, those things lead me to having a desire to, first off, learning as much as I can and helping in the ways that I find meaningful, teaching things in a way that are hopefully helpful. But also, I guess I would say that the more I grow in my faith, the more I believe I have the conscious choice to choose what I want to contribute to the world. Like I could, I could choose to contribute by writing books or doing things. Um, and so it gives me a, a sense of, I guess, what I would call agency, that I actually have choice in where I direct my time and what I choose to invest in or value or so, yeah, my faith definitely drives it. I would say if I wasn't, if I wasn't a person of faith and growing in that way, I would certainly not be writing the books I'm writing. Uh, and who knows what I would be doing. 
It's, it's almost like you're, it's, it's interesting. It says be your future self now, but you're almost investing in be your future humanity now. It's almost like you're, it's that investing in, fut- in, in, your, in your future ancestors, which reminds me of uh, Ari Wallach's book, Long Path, who's actually coming on a show in a couple of weeks. I can't remember when he's coming on, but he's going to be talking about Long Path then. So that'd be, that'd be an interesting conversation. Um, but he talks a lot about investing in your future ancestors. And it, it seems to be that me that your, your faith is driving you in, it drives you in that direction. And that's, that's a, that's a beautiful why, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I think it, I, I do. I, I, one thing I realize, and I'm realizing this more and more, it, I look at things very much from a systems perspective from a systems perspective, everything impacts everything. It's kind of like the butterfly effect that something small over here can eventually create something huge over here. And something, and this is also true of addiction, that something small here could eventually take over the whole system, right? And become your whole identity uh, or whole reality. And so, indeed, I, 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 I realize the weight of. I think someone said, like, either you believe nothing you do matters or you believe that everything you do matters. And it's kind of hard to be somewhere in the middle. But, you mm-hmm. you know, you you can be. But from a systems perspective, every little thing impacts every other, other thing. And so, yeah, I definitely want to and not only, like, you know, help my kids as an example, um, but I do think that you start to develop more of a bigger picture perspective that it's not really about you and you're not the center of the universe, but that certainly you can you can do things, even small things that over time can have a massive ripple effect. Um, and I do think you can really develop a love for humanity. And I really, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not mm. the most, you know, I've I've got a long ways to go, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I, I do think that you do want to kind of collaborate with God a little bit where you, 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 I believe that God loves everyone and uh, equally and that there's no, there's no one better than the other from that standpoint. And so I guess if I can, if I can do anything that has positive effects moving in the future, uh, it would be, you, I, I would be happy to do that. And I, and I can look at certain people. I'll, I'll just even name one, David Hawkins, just as a mm-hmm. random example. I genuinely believe that the work he did is going to have impacts for the rest of of the world because even if someone like me or you reads it and it changes us even 1 or 2%, then that's going to influence the ripple effects that we put out, etc. So, it is crazy and I've even heard this that one person actually does change the world and that every person is actually changing the the entire ripple effects of the world in their own ways. It's just true. Like, um, some people might not see their ripples as much, but every person is literally actually impacting everyone else. I think that's, I think anyone who's listening to this, I hope they realize, because that's quite a big mindset shift. They realize that they're actually influencing and they don't know how they've done it, or they might not realize how it's happened, but they could have shaped something big happening in our world. Just one word, one sentence, uh, one action. I think that's a beautiful reminder of how important we can all be. Um, not that we're the center of the universe, but but we're all connected and having an influence on each other. I think it's a, a nice reminder. Yeah, I forgot where I was reading it. Seriously, I'll have to go back and find mm-hmm. it for you. 
But I was reading ab- uh, about this recently and just realizing that literally every person is impacting everyone else, even if in very subtle ways. We are all impacting those immediately around us who then are impacting those immediately around them. And it is, every person is literally impacting the whole world right now in their own way. Especially with social media. Um, maybe that's a, you know, it could be a the, good the, side the of it. feedback loops are even faster now. <laughs> yeah, they, yes. they are. They are indeed. It's just a, a, another quick question about something just to, because I know this is something that people will struggle with. Um, I'd love to talk about the faith thing a lot more, but I need to, I, I do need to go to this question. Whenever I, you want to go that way, we could yeah. do another one if you want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause I think it would be a really, I think that would be such a deep episode, but if someone is struggling with a low hope future, and there's a lot of influences, we just mentioned social media, about lo- that creates a low hope vision of the future. The war in Ukraine, we've had COVID, um, you know, you've got the elections being mentioned in America, we have our struggles here in Europe. Um, what impact does a low hope future have uh, if we have that vision on our day-to-day life in the present? I think if anyone wants uh, probably the boldest written book on that topic, it would be Man's Search for Meaning, because he truly shows what occurs in people's life when they have a low hope future, which is that, I think as he said it, the per- the moment a person loses faith in their future, they are doomed. He literally says that. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so what he means by that, and he's very specific, is that the loss of hope in your future leads to the physical and mental decay of the human being. Mentally, they decay. To put it really simply, if you have no hope or very low hope in your future, you can't have motivation in the present. Um, Motivation rests on hope. You won't be motivated towards something if you have no hope that there's any possibility of that thing. Um, you also won't have grit or endurance to overcome the challenges and obstacles involved in any pursuit or relationship if you have no hope in that thing. And, and so guarding your hope, but strengthening your hope, developing it, maturing that hope, um, refining it in whatever direction that is, um, hope is very powerful. It's much more than just optimism. Optimism is more general. Optimism from like a psychology sense is a generally positive view of the future. Mm. Hope is highly specific. It's specific towards certain aims or goals. As Frankl would say, what man needs is not a tensionless state, but the striving and struggling for a worthwhile goal, a freely chosen task. And this is his salvation in his most painful moments, (laughs) like literally. And so hope does invite you to, to actually proactively choose freely, as Frank would say, things that you value, things that give your life meaning and purpose, and then to, to, to work towards those things and to grow through those things and to overcome through those things. So for me, it's very important. And it's, it becomes increasingly important to block out even things that just distract, distract me and lull me into, and I have plenty, the world is filled with distractions. Uh, and so one of the simplest, simplest things is your input shapes your outlook. Seriously, your input shapes your outlook. Yeah, It's really, I mean, that's back to the environment that you described fr- front and center in the beginning of this call. 
which was just you can train your hope by training your environment and by blocking lots out. Um, and so it, it's incredibly important. How I look at it and how I think psychologists are really starting to look at it is hope is to the psyche what air is to the body. It's really that simple. Without air, you die. Without hope, the psych like the people wither away. They they just they can't sustain anything. Life becomes meaningless and broken. I, that is such an important message, and it it's one of these things which um, Johan Harry kind of talks about. It reminds me when you're talking then Johan Harry's book, uh, Lost Connections. I think if we don't have high hope, then we lose connection with ourselves. We're, we're almost out of alignment. And interestingly enough, we live in a world where we're becoming so comfortable. And I think that also comes back to that first question I asked you of, you know, why are we struggling to think of the, of the future? Is we become so comfortable that we don't have to think of the future. Whereas I think with Viktor Frankl, he had to think of the future because that was going to be his salvation. And for a lot of people, they don't have to do something for a salvation. It's just live an average in a live an average life with an average day. And then at some point in time, I think that our minds and bodies let's let us know that actually this isn't really what we, we could be doing. And I think that ends to we then enter into the mental health of uh, health issues that we can be experiencing, you know, as we're seeing an epidemic of in, in our societies today. I I agree. I mean I think one thing that's really interesting and you kind of hear about people like groups called like preppers, people who are heavily prepping towards the future because they see negative things coming down the pike, right? They see, they see obstacles, challenges in the future and they're prepping towards those. And the reason they're prepping towards those is because they have a, per, a perspective that challenges are going to come. And, and so, yeah, if a person is not thinking about the future at all and not but I'm saying I'm only bringing up the preppers because they actually believe challenges are coming. If they didn't believe those were coming, they wouldn't be prepping as hard. And mm -hmm. so with Frankel, he was placed in such a situation that everything was stripped away that there was nothing left to hold on to but his future. And that was the only thing that could sustain him. Seriously, that was there was mm -hmm. no everything else was taken away. Most of his agency was taken away. He couldn't go to work right? He couldn't dictate what he ate for lunch, right? He didn't have 99% of the choices that can consume our lives. All he had was his future. And that was the only thing that he could control. And it's the only thing that could give him strength. And when you're in a situation where it doesn't seem like much is going to go that wrong, like, you know, you've got a lot of agency, uh, you got a lot of distractions and you're not, you know, you don't have to be that serious. Then the future can be the farthest thing from your mind. You know, you could ultimately be yeah. completely wrapped up in short-term dopamine loops or just short-term distractions or just living day to day. But as with most things of value, once you start stripping and pulling everything else away, the purely essential make themselves heavily known. And so from my standpoint, why 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 put yourself into a bad situation? You know, through your own inaction where you put yourself in a really bad situation, whether it's like your health or your relationships where it's like, oh crap, now I realize the costs of not being thoughtful about my actions. Um, instead, 
if you have more of an investment mindset and you're continuously keeping your future self in mind and working, you know, and, you know, striving toward a future self, then you can actually live in highly abundant situations. You don't need everything pulled away. And yet you can still be conscious, thoughtful, and ignore 90% of the trash that's out there while still operating really thoughtfully and intentionally. And, and Aristotle, actually, I, I really love Aristotle's thinking. Certainly not, I'm not aligned with any one thinker. Hmm. But from Aristotle's perspective, being intentional and being intelligent are the exact same things. And he sees humans as highly intelligent because we can be intentional. We can think about what he would call ends or what he would call final causes. We could think about goals. Like that's really unique. Like plants, animals, etc., other species, they may have goals, but most of those goals are survival based and they're like they're reactive purely to the environment. Whereas us, like we have so much space for intentionality, for actually thinking through what do I want to be? What what matters to me? Which direction do I want to not only take my life, but which direction do I want to take today? Like the more intentional you can be and the more intentional a, a, a person or a species is, the more intelligent they are. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a big thing to think through and to live in a way where we're, we're driven by a purpose we care for. I think that's a really nice reminder of our the potential for our minds. We, we literally, um, Artemis is now circling the moon. That, that was that was you know, that's that's the power of our minds that we are we have that foresight. But it's it's something that like going to the gym we need to strengthen. And I love the word you know in, investment. I think that is something that when I talked about it to my clients, they relate to that quite a lot. It's it's not the cost, it's the investment that you're putting into something. And it's something that I think is somehow missing for a lot of people because they're caught up in just trying to stay comfortable. And so they're not facing the adversity to, that will begin to open up the possibility to help them move forward. I think when we face dark times, and I know that's what, that's what got me to uh, at some point to research your work, was I was facing a struggle so my mind began to look for an answer and you came out of out of nowhere on a school of greatness with Lewis Harris. So and now um a year and a half later, we're having a conversation. So it's 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 strange how that path has led to this to this experience even happening. Um we're coming to the end of our interview, Ben. It's been pretty amazing. I'm gonna have to get you to come back and have a whole episode on spirituality, faith. And uh, awareness, the universe. Really I think cool. that that'd be. Fun. I think that would be. Because again, it's, I was so tempted to go there um, for this episode, but there was, I'm I just, glad you did, and we can torn. go. We can, I'm happy to dedicate yeah. a full conversation to that. That would be that would be absolutely awesome. Um, if for people to um, to find you, where could they find out more about uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy? I would just say either benjaminhardy.com or even futureself.com are basically the two options. Um, certainly, uh, you can read the book, Be Your Future Self Now. Um, but yeah, benjaminhari.com or futureself.com. Just those two. Definitely. And whilst I'm going to mention it again, um, The Gap in the Game, Who Not How, these are classic books. If you want a couple of books to um, give your mindset a big shift and make 2023 your best year yet, these are ones I would heartily recommend. 
Ben, thank you so much. Um, I'll see you soon on one of your AMP mastermind groups, I am sure. Of course. No, Paul, I always love having you there. And uh, we will do round two. And we're going to focus it purely on that faith and spiritual side of the future self or whatever way, wherever you want to go with that. Yeah, we'll have to have a, we'll have to get our minds together to see what we can create out of that. Again, thank you very much. Talk soon. So I have some exciting plans for 2023. If you are interested in joining me for some group coaching testers, please contact me via the show notes and I will send you details when they are ready. You can also reach out to me if you prefer one-to-one coaching help with any of the subjects I cover in the show. Thank you so much for spending your time and energy with me. Stay awake, stay aware, give yourself some loving and have an incredible day. Mm-hmm.